Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. When you try to defend yourself, then they play the victim. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would do this to me. And I can't believe you would do this to me now. And this is a horrible time. And, you know, it, it becomes all about them. They attack and then they play the victim. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zong, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. I personally have also dealt with two covert narcissists, and I am on a mission to help you break free from the drama, trauma, and chaos of dealing with narcissists. I know what it looks like when they're trying to break you down because I've been there. I've seen it in my law practice. I've seen it in dealing with now thousands of people who've come through my programs. And I've also dealt with it in my personal life. I know what they're what they're trying to do when they're trying to break you. So one of the things that they will do is they will like take these like passing swipes at you. So especially the covert narcissists, they are kings and queens of these like passing little swipes. So th- these are like when the narcissists aren't actually out to tell the world that they're trying to break you down. They're just trying to like dent you. It's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. You know, covert narcissists are so stealth. They don't want anybody to know. So it's like, I call it clean hands. Okay. They kind of try to keep their hands clean, you know, their nose clean. They don't want anyone to know what they're up to. Their their clothes are clean. Everything is not wrinkled. But right underneath the surface, they're doing this dirty work. Everybody else thinks that they are wonderful. They're kind. They are so many people go, well, they couldn't be a narcissist. They are pastors. They are charitable people. They they they're out there doing Habitat for Humanity every single weekend. They're organizing fundraisers. They work at the hospital. They're the first people that show up when somebody is sick. They are wonderful people. They're not a narcissist. Or or this person isn't older woman who is kind and bakes cookies. This is not a narcissist. This is the kind of person who just underneath the surface has this boiling sort of rage, this this 
this jealousy or competition or or deep insecurity or something going on with them that has them take these sort of passing swipes of people that just under the surface, you don't realize what's going on. So they might say things like, oh, that's so wonderful that you got to purchase a new home. Oh, but too bad it's at the end of a street where there's no street lights and you're so far away from everything else. And, you know, there's no security. I mean, wouldn't you be afraid? And, you know, I, I would be afraid out there by myself like that. But, you know, to each their own, you know, like it's sort of like a compliment, but not really. It's like these passing swipes. Or I had a client who said that she got back together with her her husband and her husband was like all gung-ho with marriage counseling, work on the marriage and he was going to be the perfect husband and he loved her and he was working on everything. And just a couple of months into it, they were getting ready to go out And just out of nowhere, he, under his breath, said something like, "Mm, lipstick. Nothing else, just said lipstick under his breath. That's a passing swipe. And she was like, what? what? What did you say? And he said, no, I didn't say anything. And the implication, she knew. She knew what he meant by lipstick. It was meant to tell her, that she looked like a slut, that she looked a hussy because it was this red lipstick or whatever it was. And all he said was lipstick. And so there's this clean hands effect, right? Because if she told anybody about it, he could say, oh, I was saying I liked her lipstick. I was saying it looked nice on her. What what is she talking about? I was actually complimenting her and saying how great she looked. No one would be able to know. There's no other context there. So that's what I mean, passing swipes. Six signs a narcissist is trying to break you. That's number one. Number two is gaslighting. Passing swipes is a form of gaslighting, but this is another whole level. They use gaslighting. So, you know, I could actually sit here and spend the next two days basically on all the different forms of gaslighting that there are and how narcissists use gaslighting in all the different varieties and forms. And there could be whole connoisseurs of gaslighting and vintners of wine on gaslighting. I mean, there could be a whole school of gaslighting. But we're not going to do that. I'm just going to say the gaslighting is a way that narcissists use to make you think that you're crazy. And if I explain to you where the term came from, it makes it really, really easy for you to understand. Basically, it came from 
a play called Gaslight, which is also the name of a movie from the same genre period. It was back in the 30s, which was where a husband was trying to make the wife think that she was crazy. And what he would do is blow out these gaslights. And she would say, wasn't that just lit? And he would say, no, no, it wasn't. And it made her question her own mind. Wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that was just lit. No, 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 sorry, wasn't wasn't lit. So gaslighting is the same thing. It's like trying to make you think that you're crazy. Things that you are seeing, you're not seeing. Things that you're hearing, you're not hearing. You see a text message that says, miss you with hearts from a person and you're assuming that there's something going on with somebody and they say, oh, you're reading too much into it, that sort of thing. The person says, oh, you know, you have a big fat butt and then they say, ha ha. And you say, you know, that really hurt my feelings. And they say, oh, you're too sensitive. You know, they're invalidating your feelings. That's gaslighting. Oh, I'm going away on the weekend of our anniversary. Oh, when when did you decide you're doing that? Oh, we had a whole conversation about that. Don't you remember? Oh, we never had that conversation. Oh, oh yeah, we definitely did. And you agreed to it. Oh, I definitely don't remember ever having that conversation. Oh, yeah, we had, a, we had a whole conversation about it and you agreed. Well, we never had that conversation. That's all gaslighting. All of that is a form of gaslighting. There's so many different forms of gaslighting, but all of them boil down to trying to make you think that you're crazy, okay? thing you just need to remember about gaslighting is if you saw it with your eyes, if you heard it with your Years, if you, you know, all of those things, it, then it happened and your feelings matter. There's that. Number three is passive aggression. You know, another way a narcissist tries to break you is through passive aggression. Absolutely, I will do it. And then they don't. It, that's a passive aggressive move. Covert narcissists are so great at this. It's one of their classic moves. Being passive aggressive is a very narcissistic move. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day? But according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air and then sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier. And Air Doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code your best life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a 
free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value, lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify. Dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Number uh, four is silent treatment. They will blow up your phone. Oh, I love you. I love you. I love you. You write them back. Oh, nothing. And then you're like, hey, where are you? Oh, why are you so needy? You know, that's a form of silent treatment. Or another form of silent treatment that you might see with a narcissist is, you know, how how come you did this, 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 and this? And then you write back and you're defending yourself. You know, that's not true. I'm here with my sister and whatever it is. And then you're trying to get them to respond back to you. Nothing. And you know that they're reading your emails and you or text messages and you know they're right there, but then they don't respond because they're trying to make you score. Things like that. Silent treatment, okay? To try to manipulate you, make you squirm, control you, all of those, make you think that you're crazy, all of that. That's silent treatment. The next thing that they will do is attack you. You're a cheater, you're this, you're that which is, you know, like out of nowhere. You're like, oh my God, I how can that, why would you say that? And then when you try to defend yourself, then they play the victim. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you would do this to me and can't believe you would do this to me now. And this is a horrible time. And, you know, it it becomes all about them. They attack and then they play the victim. Again, it's a way to make themselves out to be the victim so that you never, ever can win. You can never win. They attack and then they reverse it so that they become the victim. And then finally, the last one is they use guilt trips. Oh, don't worry about me. 
I'll just sit over here and you just go on. I'll I I can take care of myself while you go have a life. You know, I'm used to things not being fair. I'm used to taking care of everyone while no one takes care of me. Must be nice to have all of that for yourself. I've never had that, but okay, great. You know, like that whole guilt trip thing. That's very much a covert narcissist move as well. And so they guilt you into having to do things, you know, or they'll send a text like, oh, that wasn't meant for you. Sorry. I was waiting to get my biopsy results, but I know you don't care. So I'll just handle it myself. I'm fine. That sort of thing. So guilt trips. Those are six of the signs that a narcissist is trying to break you. And as I said, with the gaslighting one, just that alone can cause so much long-term damage to your psyche and even to you physically and start to cause you know, autoimmune issues with you because into your gut health and to your, your overall health because of how much damage it can cause. All right, the first thing that they do is word salad. And what is word salad? Well, it's it kind of like what you think. It's like confusing you. It's it's like this word these words that are all mixed up all the time and trying to confuse you so that you kind of don't know what's going on. So here's an example of that. You think something is resolved. For example, you, you know, out to lunch with somebody and they, they say, why did you go out to lunch with this person? I thought I could trust you. You know, it seems like you're cheating on me and you spend like an hour fighting about this thing. And I was texting you on the way there. And you know that, and you're like defending yourself the whole time, and you think that it's resolved. It's like this craziness because, you know, they bring something up as if it's reality, and it's never been reality to begin with. They're also saying two different things at the same time. You know, that like they'll say, you know, I'm trying very hard to make this work. And then at the same time, they'll say, I want a divorce or I can't do this anymore. It's like they're all over the place all the time. Or they'll, they'll be asking for second chances multiple times. In the next breath, they'll be, get the hell out of here. I don't, I don't want you anymore. It, it, they're just constantly craziness, constant craziness with their word salad with that. So constantly trying to make you look like you're the one who's the problem, but yet they're all over the place with their word salad constantly. You're the one who keeps being the, the, the issue. It's your problem. You are the one who keeps making problems in the marriage or in the relationship, even though you're just over there trying to like survive in this world of craziness. All right. That's number one. Number two is they seed people. They tell people that there's issues and they start doing this long before you even realize 
that there is an issue in the relationship or in, in, in business, they do this as well, by the way. I, this is what happened with me in my business relationship. Beware if you are a coworker, boss, whatever. I see, I've seen this with other people as well. So what will happen is long before you even realize what is going on, they will start dropping little things into conversations Covert narcissists are the masters at this, by the way. And it will be a little something about somebody. Oh, it's kind of unfortunate that this person is this. Or or they might kind of even couch it in terms of caring. You know, I'm just uh, I'm so concerned about how much this person, you know, has going on in their home life. Something like that. Like as if they're hearing about the person, but they're also sort of dropping in that this person is obviously very distracted at work. You see what I'm saying? Something like that, where the person might not be distracted at all, but they're kind of like seeding things. If it's a divorcing situation, they might be seeding something to a neighbor like, oh, I'm just so concerned about Tim's drinking. You know, he's drinking a lot more than he used to, or I think he might be depressed or something, you know, and Tim has no drinking issues, but they'll just start seeding things like that. Even they do this even with marriage counselors, by the way, to, to make themselves look more like the victim or something like that. So that's number two. They start seeding their little flying monkeys or whatever to try to line up their armies. Number three is they can be extremely disagreeable. Like, for example, they'll just drag their feet on, on things. You know, they're like passive aggressive, just not doing things that they say they're going to do, refuse to go along with certain plans or, or agree that they're going to go along with certain plans and things like that. And then do it at the last second and then say, I agreed. I said that I would do it or whatever. But then they, they don't do it until the last second. And then they make it look like, I said that I would do it. And then they make it look like you were the one who was the problem because, you know, you're complaining the whole time. What are you talking about? Why are you complaining? I said that I would do it. And so then it makes you look like you were complaining over nothing or just being somebody who just bitches and moans to everybody because look, you did what you, what they're complaining about. What are you talking about? So they, they foot drag or they criticize or whatever, but then to the rest of the world, it looks like, what are you talking about? So that's the next one. The next one is they just ignore or break promises or forget to do things or whatever. But then, you know, you are the one who has to take the fall for these things. So especially this was especially the case for me, you know, in a business situation or whatever, especially if they know that they can get away with this and have you look like the one who's going to be the one who takes the fall for it. 
and and be the one who is the face of that situation. I've seen this so often in a business situation, you know, where they can break promises, ignore promises, forget to do things. These are so much covert narcissist moves. You know, wherever there's that plausible deniability, they will definitely take advantage. The next one is what we call toxic amnesia, where they don't remember faults of their own, but they highlight your faults. So, you know, they make sure that they are always the perfect one, but you are the one who is the one who is the bad one in the relationship. They're constantly judging you. They're constantly remembering all the things that you did wrong in the relationship, but they never remember any of the things that they did wrong in the relationship. Number six is they file false pleadings over and over again. And they make it seem like where there's smoke, there's fire. That is just so not true when it comes to narcissists. They will file false pleadings, make it seem like, oh my God, there definitely must be something going on with this person. Conversely, you know, the other thing that they do is they will just not respond to pleadings a lot of times, or they'll file just partial responses and things like that. So frustrating as an attorney, that's for sure. It's so annoying. And it's expensive as well. So expensive, which is why I have my slay program out there, by the way. And if you if you want to just get started with something free, just go to winmynegotiation.com and you can get my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet. It's a free ebook. It's 15 pages, which will get you started. I and mean, actually, many people have actually won their entire negotiations just on that. So if you want to get something that will totally get you started, just get my free ebook and get started with that. It will totally help you so, so much. Literally, I think um, close to 100,000 people have um, downloaded that and gotten started with that. So totally free. It's an ebook, my gift to you. So just get started with that. And also join my free private Facebook group because that will help you tremendously as well. Um, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung. That is a huge support group, which will help you quite a bit also. And the last one is the best one, best word however you want to look at it, is that they bait you and then they use your reaction against you. I mean, can I get a totally on that? Oh my gosh. Bait you. I call it reactive abuse. Bait you and use your reaction against you, right? So any assertiveness that you show at all, anything, if you object, if you are angry, if you're upset at all, if you show any outrage, if you are anything at all, then that is totally turned around, used against you, and you're, you're labeled as hurt, aggressive, you know, you're aggressive. And then you are cast as the abuser. You're cast as the one who is the problem. And especially if they can somehow use it against you in court, they definitely will. So be very, very careful about that. Remember that anything that you put in writing is a potential trial exhibit. Make sure that you're super careful about that in text, emails, on social media. Anything you put your hand to is a potential trial exhibit. So be super careful about that, all right?
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We are going to guide you through the minefield, guide you through the minefields of the tactics that narcissists use to break you, all right? And, you know, I know that you are feeling maybe broken down. You're maybe feeling disempowered. They want you to feel destabilized. They use these tactics to try to control you. And when you go to negotiate with them, or try to communicate with them, which is where I come in. I am a negotiations expert. I've, I'm an attorney. I've helped people in many, many different arenas. And uh, if you don't have my brand new book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and When, definitely go and grab that. But you know, I want to help you transform. In this, they, 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 they launch psychological warfare on you, right? So they're like these shadowy gladiators. They come on charming. They start off charming. And, and they try to break your spirit. And one of the weapons that they use is gaslighting. All of them use gaslighting. Uh, you know, even covert narcissists, especially covert narcissists. And how that will show up is in many different arenas. It, you know, I in my book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, I actually talked about so, so many different forms of gaslighting. When I went to go start writing the chapter, I thought, wow, there are so many different forms of gaslighting that I could actually write an entire book just on gaslighting. I didn't even realize as I started writing about it how many different forms of gaslighting there are until I started writing about it. And what gaslighting is, is basically a way to make you think that you are crazy. It's it's a way to make you think that your reality is not your reality 
what you're seeing is not what you're seeing. What you're hearing is not what you're hearing. What you are feeling is not what you're feeling in any different scenario, whatever it is. So, you know, it might be we had that conversation. Don't you remember? And you're like, I don't, we never had that conversation. Or it might be you're too sensitive, you know, so what you're feeling is not what you're feeling. It might be any way to distort your perception so that you're doubting the ground upon which you stand or the feelings that you're feeling in any, so that you start to literally doubt yourself. You know, your brain is foggy and you really don't feel like yourself anymore. And it's it's vile and it's venomous. And, you know, it's a way to take control of you, take control of you, because that's what they want to do. Narcissists are people who don't feel good about themselves because they don't feel good about themselves. They want to take control of others through these these methods. They are very fear-based individuals. They're very insecure individuals. And so they they use this method and it, you know, it can be in the form of passive aggression or it can be in the form of withholding. You know, it can be in the form of you're looking at a text message that looks like somebody is being flirtatious. You're reading too much into this. So, you know, it's it's anything that makes you look like you are doubting your reality. And that's what gaslighting is. The next form of psychological warfare tactics, a tactic a narcissist uses to break you is triangulation, where they basically play puppeteer or marionette. You know, they're taking a marionette and they manipulate relationships to create this web or line up armies to isolate you, make you feel bullied, make you feel like you are the only one who feels a certain way. And, you know, as a child, I was bullied. And, you know, so this is something that is very triggering for me, that's for sure. And it's, you know, it's to make you feel like you're the only one who thinks this or everyone's going to believe their lies. And it's, you know, to make you feel like you might as well give up because, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? You're never going to win. The, the cards are, are, are stacked against you. So what are you going to do? It's uh, extremely deflating. It's defeating. You know, it's a smear campaign. And you definitely see this in the discard phase. But, you know, many times with covert narcissists, they start seeding this triangulation even long before you even know that it's happening. I mean, they might start saying, oh, I'm so concerned about Johnny, concerned, concerned about his drinking, just worried about him, just worried, just so concerned. 
and they put it in in terms of care or concern so that people think that they're such a good person. They're really manipulating. They're really actually smearing. So that's, you know, one a way that they will start triangulating. And another form of tactic that a narcissist will use to break you is projection. They project and cast their own flaws onto you or others in a twisted sort of mirror game to take whatever is going on with them and project it and and put it onto others. So because they don't want it to reflect back onto them what's going on with them. So, uh, you know, that's another one. And then, you know, and then there's always this love bombing and devaluation cycle as well. Love bombing, devaluation, love bomb, devaluation, which happens throughout a the, the cycle of a relationship until you get down into the discard. It's the cruel sort of hit of, of dopamine and then back into devaluation. And then you're craving that hit of dopamine, which is a very, very powerful, powerful craving that it, addiction hit that you are looking for. Showering you with affection and casting you out down with scorn. And picture, you know, this, you know, a client during negotiations has ruthlessly been gaslighted, facts twisted until they're doubting their own sanity, they're doubting their own reality. And then I step in, not just as their lawyer, but trying to help them with their reality, reminding them of what their reality actually is. We strategize, we document we ground them in their truth, in their reality, and we triumph. Have you ever felt that grounding of reality shake beneath you? And then you needed to find your footing again. Has that ever happened to you? Your insights are so invaluable. Share them below, share them below. Triangulation can be so disarming. And if you need an ally, you need that ally, and you, you're, but you're suddenly feeling like you're alone, remember that knowledge lies in, in power and in, in, in having that, you know, you need to have that power behind you, right? So having that battle plan is so important. That's why I wrote my book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. That's a battle plan for you. Tactics, spot them, stop, stand strong against these assaults. Facing smear campaigns can feel like you are stuck in... In, in quicksand, right? So you need to have the right words. You need to have a lifeline. And I've curated potent phrases for you to disarm any narcissist, leaving them speechless. So if you want to know what they are, 
get my free phrases for disarming narcissists. You can get them by clicking the link on disarming narcissists. Just go to disarmthenarc.com and get them. They're totally free. And that way, if you know, you're know you ever at a loss for words, you'll have them. And, um, and I would love to know which is your favorite, right? Share your favorite phrase with us in the comments. Your wisdom is a torch for so many who are stuck in the dark. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. Somehow, it's all your fault. Now you're defending yourself against something, and it's all about you, and no longer about the one thing that they didn't do. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets. And so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. And you know that there is an opportunity where they could help you, but they just say they can't. I have to work. It's an excuse that they they use. It's an opportunity for them to tell you that they don't care about you. And now we return to today's show. So let's talk about operation triangulation. If you have dealt with a narcissist in any way, shape, or form, then you have dealt with triangulation. Another word for it is flying monkeys. And if you want to know more about the word flying monkeys and all of that, go check out my video on flying monkeys. So this is a tactic that narcissists use. So remember, they need an endless amount of supply. They are supply whores. They must have it. They must have it in any way, shape, or form that they can possibly get it. Anything that they can have to feed that ego. It's like oxygen, food. It's their lifeblood. It's like what they breathe in, they must have. And they they literally will take it from everywhere they can get it. So one of the ways that they can get it, and it actually kind of works out pretty well for them because when they triangulate, they're getting the attention from the flying monkey or that person that they're triangulating with. And it has the 
benefit, the added benefit, the little bonus sugar cherry on top of making you miserable. So they get both. So it's like so beautiful for them. They, they, they actually figured out a way to not only get supply out of you, but they can get it out of multiple places at once. Isn't that fantastic? So they get to uh, have this other person adulate them and think that they're so wonderful. And you are over there going, what are you doing with this person? Who are you talking to? What are you saying? Uh, or they come back and they say, I spoke with Mary over there. Mary agrees with me that you're crazy or that you don't appreciate me or that you treat me badly or how wrong it is that you don't believe everything that I say. And whether Mary said that or not, doesn't even matter because it serves the purpose that they want to serve, which is, you know, making you miserable. So um, that's what they do. They line up their flying monkeys. It's a, a reference to the Wicked Witch from, uh, from Wizard of Oz, where they had, she had those flying monkeys like next to her and they would just fly around and report back to the Wicked Witch and let the Wicked Witch know what was going on. Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion, they're just walking along the, gold, the yellow brick road, all, you know, innocent and happy. And there's the flying monkeys like coming along to see what's going on and reporting back just like the little minions. And that's what happens with narcissists as well. They have their little minions that are looking to see what's going on in social media. And then they would go running back, scurrying back, and they tell the narcissist what's going on. Oh my goodness, they posted this, or they went there, or I saw them say this. And oh, let's all scurry and figure out what they're talking about. And you're over there feeling left out, feeling isolated, paranoid, wondering what's going on. Then you go ask the narcissist about it and they love that, love that because it's working then. Now you're worried, now you're upset. They know that they got you. So, you know, oh, you wanna know what I was talking about with Mary over there? Well, I'm not gonna tell you. Or Mary said this, or Mary said that. And now you're bothered because they want you to feel bothered. They want you to feel like you're left out in the cold, like you're isolated. Um, and a lot of the times they use those, their, their special phrases, like everybody else thinks this and no one else thinks that. Um, if you want to know more about the narcissist's favorite phrases, check out my video on that topic. Um, but the whole point of it is to try to make you feel bad because they really do need to be banished. I know when I was dealing with a couple of narcissists in my life, um, you know, I, I had that situation and, you know, as long as you're still in the narcissist space, you're giving them opportunities to like use their, um, operation triangulation to try to get at you. And, you know, the best thing that you can do, honestly, is just not react at all. Just act like you don't really care who they're talking to. You don't really care what they're saying. 
Don't even ask them about it. Don't even acknowledge that they had a conversation with that person. Because as soon as you do that, you're giving them narcissistic supply. You're giving into that. And it's funny because I kind of knew that before I even um, knew these terms. I had never heard of the term triangulation. I had never heard of flying monkeys. I had, uh, I, and to me, narcissists were like people who were going around bragging about themselves all the time. I honestly didn't really even know what a narcissist was. I didn't know anything about covert narcissists until somebody said the word to me. Um, and, and that's when I started to figure it out. And by the way, Operation Triangulation is a favorite of the coverts. They love it. Love it. So if you're dealing with a covert narcissist, you're definitely dealing with triangulation. But all narcissists like to use triangulation. It's one of their little favorite go-to bag of tricks. Um, and so if you know that you're with somebody, whether it's in a business setting or a personal setting, and they're, they're, they're trying to make you jealous or they're trying to use other people to somehow evoke a response from you, then you're probably with a narcissist and it's probably time to, you know, head out the door and, and figure out a way to get out of this relationship. So if you were getting ready to negotiate with a narcissist, uh, especially, you know, any kind of difficult person, whether it's a narcissist or not, by the way, it doesn't even matter if they've actually been labeled as a narcissist. It could just be a jackass, but if they're extremely difficult to deal with, then, you know, it's going to be the same, right? All right. Let's talk about the five ways that narcissists sneakily chip away. Eh, eh, eh at you. And sometimes it's like you're that frog in that boiling water. Have you ever heard about that analogy? You know, the frogs that are sitting in the water and they don't even realize like the water's cold and it's slowly getting warm, slowly, slowly, slowly. And they don't even realize that they've been boiled. That's what happens sometimes with narcissists. Like all of a sudden you've been boiled because they've just kind of sneakily broken you down and there's it just happens over time and you don't even realize what's been happening and you're just like in it. They just do this thing to you. And so I just want to reveal some of the ways that they sneakily break you down. And you're going to want to watch all the way to the end because I'm going to give you five ways that they do this. It's like so secretive. It's so stealth. It's so insidious. And you don't even realize it's happening until it's happening. And I see it all the time in negotiations. And so when you're negotiating with them, when you're communicating with them, you know, you wanna know you're gonna wanna spot those signs. All right. Number one is that you'll be communicating with them, you'll be fighting with them. And after you're fighting with them, you bring up something that they clearly did wrong. Clearly they did wrong. Somehow they turn it around that it was your fault. Like for example, that they didn't do something that they were supposed to do. Very clearly they didn't do something that they were supposed to do. And you lay out the facts and they 
let's say they didn't show up for something that they were supposed to show up for. Why didn't they show up for it? Why didn't they why weren't they there? What happened to them? And on and on you go through the plan or whatever it is and somehow they stealthily turn that around to it's your fault and you have created this problem, making them feel terrible and making them feel like a piece of crap. And and you're creating an issue in the relationship and you're angry all the time. And that's why they don't do what they're supposed to because it's your anger. And then, you know, and you're like, I was only angry after you didn't show up. Oh, no, no, that's been going on for months before. And, you know, somehow it's all your fault. Now you're defending yourself against something and it's all about you. And no longer about the one thing that they didn't do. It all gets muddied up and it's no longer about the one thing that they didn't do that they should be held accountable for. It's all about them. They make so much more noise around you and your behavior so that they no longer have to be held accountable for their behavior. And so that sneakily breaks you down. And now suddenly you're groveling at them and you're begging them to be in the relationship instead of the other way around. So that's number one. Number two, is they will refuse to communicate while discussing an issue. They'll say you're interrupting that, you know, here you're trying to discuss something and then it becomes about how you brought it up or the fact that you're you're too loud, your tone. It, it can't be about what it is that you want to actually discuss. You can never get back to the issue. It's this circular conversation. It becomes this word salad of things. And you're trying to get back to the issue at hand. And you can never seem to get back to the issue because they're saying things like you interrupted me and then you know the next one is actually kind of similar because they'll say like the timing was off why are you bringing that up now or they'll be like what are you wearing right now and is that what you wore when you were out today and and you're still trying to bring up this particular issue and it's all about other things then and you just you can never seem to get to the issue of what it is that you want to talk about and why are you bringing that up when you know that i have a headache and what is it that you're wearing right now and why are you yelling and you literally just interrupted me and 
and you know that the you know the neighbors can hear you and you can seriously never get to what it is that you want to talk about and they're breaking you down and they're breaking you down and oh and that reminds me and you never addressed this issue and now you're off talking about that and now you're on some other tangent about something else and you're never getting back to the issue that you want to talk about ever. And that's a whole form of gaslighting, by the way. And you should definitely check out my video on gaslighting phrases that narcissists use because there's a whole other thing on that for sure. And number four is even similar. It's like, you know, they'll say you raised your voice when you didn't raise your voice, right? You know, and, and now all of a sudden you're like, what? I didn't raise my voice or, or they will raise their voice. They'll start raising their voice. They'll start getting angry. They'll start making a show. They'll start getting dramatic. They'll start shutting you down. They'll just walk away. They'll just say this conversation is done, you know? So they'll just be ghosting you. They'll just decide they're done and stonewall you so that you can't have any more of a conversation with them. And that, that will also break you down as well. And number five, number five is they employ tactics to isolate you. So they'll say things like everyone else or no one else, or I'm the only one who loves you, or I'm the only one who can stand you, or everyone else thinks this, or no one else thinks that. And so they they make you believe that you are crazy in that way. Or they'll line up their minions, sometimes called flying monkeys, to make you think that they've got this army of people on their side who are believing their lies against you. And so it's another way of isolating you, another way of making you feel like you shouldn't stand up for yourself. And that's another way of breaking you down. So when a narcissist is trying to get you back, it could be a number of different scenarios. I mean, it could be that they're just trying to get you back and like, you know, just trying to get your attention back. It could be just get you back on track. It could be that you're like actually broken up and they're trying to get you back, like actually get you back. I mean, so it could be a number of different ways where they think that you're slipping away. They're just trying to get your focus back on them. So, I mean, get you back is sort of a number of different ways, but it could be any sort of thing. But the idea is that they're afraid that they're losing you or maybe they have lost you. The whole idea is that they're not really focusing on you. So it could be any number of things that they're thinking of, but the whole idea is they're seeing their supply source slipping away. And that's the thing that you really need to be thinking about. It's not so much that they are worried about you 
as they are about their supply source going out the door. And by the way, I'm Rebecca Zong. I am an attorney. I'm a narcissist negotiation expert. The reason why I focus on this stuff is because when you are in negotiations with them, it's so important to understand how they're thinking because you got to build your strategy, you got to build your whole, your, all of your tactics around how they're thinking, or you're totally going to be sunk. And if you haven't subscribed to this channel yet, you're definitely going to want to do that. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, because I give you real tips and resources and tactics so that you can shift from being on the constant feeling of being on the defensive to being on the offensive for a change. What happens is when you are on the outs or whatever, and they're trying to get you back, they'll say whatever they need to, to preserve that supply source. So they just go into desperation mode. They might go into their faux apology. I call it a faux apology because it's totally fake. I have a whole video, by the way, on what does a narcissist really mean when they say they're sorry? And you can check that out. So they may say sorry, but do they really mean they're sorry? I don't, you know, I don't think so. And if they do say sorry, It's only because they're trying to say whatever they need to to get you back into being their source of supply. So they may even say, I'll do anything. I'll do whatever you want. They may even say, I love you or we're meant to be. No one loves you like I do or you know that we're supposed to be together or you know we're perfect for each other. And they'll say things that they know are the things that you love to hear a lot of the times because remember, they're very good at reading people. So remember that this is the person that was able to love bomb their way into your life in the first place. And I don't mean love bombing just in a romantic sense, because remember, this is a person who was able to work their wiles into whatever whatever kind of relationship you've got They know they were able to charm their way into that situation, whatever it was, whether it's a business relationship or personal relationship. I mean, they've been able to charm their way into that situation. So they'll say whatever they need to say to get you back on track. So I'll change or it'll never happen again, whatever they'll need to say. So let's just focus on the future. Let's just move on. You know, that's one of their favorite things to do is future fake. So they they don't want to focus on the past. They hate doing that. The thing that they love to do the most is just move on to the next thing. Let's just focus on the future. It'll all be different. You'll see going forward. It'll all be different. A lot of times what they'll do to get you back is grand gestures and you know kind of love bomb you all over again too. So you'll see this whole grand gesture thing again, you know, going back to what whatever it is that they did in the first place to get you. And then they may try to also guilt you into it. 
how could you leave me at a time like this? You know that I'm sick or you know that I'm going through a lot right now or uh, I'm dealing with so much or how could you leave me when you're the only person I have or something like that. And now you're a horrible person if you leave them at that moment. And so how dare you try to have your own life? Or how dare you try to walk away? Because you're the only one who they have. You're the only one that they rely on or something like that. And now you have to be with them. There's like that micro manipulation thing that they'll do sometimes too. You know, that little DM in your inbox. Oh, I got the word from the doctor. Oh, sorry, that wasn't meant for you. And then they'll take it out of your inbox. So that was meant for someone else. You know, a little something to sort of mess with your brain to try to get you back as well or try to get your attention. You know, these are the kinds of things that they will do to try to get you back, to try to get your attention. And it all is designed just because they don't want to see that source of supply. The other thing that you might see them do sometimes is try to make you jealous. Well, I've got another source of supply lined up. You know, I'm spending time with someone else or I don't need you anyway, or I'm moving out, you know, something like that to maybe try to get you to be interested or get the hairs on the back of your neck peaked or something like that. But most of the time, it's more of the future fake, the faux apology, you know, those kinds of things. So let's talk about why does a narcissist need to destroy you to leave you? Uh, Or even if you're leaving them. Anything that's regarding the discard phase of a narcissist means that they're going to try to bring you down, destroy you, out to get you, no matter what. And you think, why? Why does this have to be, you know, destroying? Why, Why can't we just come to a nice, reasonable conclusion? Well, the answer is, as it always is when it comes to narcissists, it goes back to that whole concept of narcissistic supply. Um, And, you know, supply is anything that feeds their ego. They have no sense of inner self that is very, very fragile. They're the most insecure people on the planet. And so they have to get all their value from the outside and they protect it no matter what what? It's really a survival instinct. It's like, you know, if, if, if you live, then I can't. If you survive, then, then that means I don't. It, it really to them is like a war and you're the enemy. Um, I've had to deal with a couple of narcissists myself in my own life, and one of them was a covert narcissist. Actually, they were both covert narcissists. But in one of them, I, you know, had a situation where I was like, you know, I'm hoping to really. Uh, you know, have a peaceful resolution to the end of this relationship. You know, it was a situation where it wasn't working for me in a, in a kind of a business setting. And, um, I wanted to have a peaceful resolution and this other person just couldn't do that. They couldn't do that. And why can't they do that? Because they just feel like if you, 
uh, are, are happy in your new life or anything like that, then, you know, that's the end of the world for them. So what happens is in the discard phase of a, of a relationship, and if you want to know more of a about the discard phase of a narcissistic relationship, check out my video on narcissistic discarding and what happens there at the end of the relationship. But in that phase, that's when you start to see the birth of the smear campaign. And that's when they start lining up their flying monkeys, start triangulating. And the, the, the discard phase and that smear campaign can happen even long before you think that it's actually the end of the relationship. They're just making sure that if anything ever happens, that you know they're gonna be the ones that have the upper hand. So, you know, when it comes time for that to happen, that's when you'll start to see them talking to other people. They might start slipping in little things about, you know, uh, you know, this person is difficult or, um, you know, that they're a victim of you in some way. They haven't been treated well, well by you in some way. I was actually just having a conversation with uh, somebody yesterday who I'm going to be interviewing uh, coming up for my podcast and, and for this show. And, you know, he was talking about how crazy it is that, you know, it's normally the empath and you're, you know, you're normally the one who's doing everything for the relationship. You're carrying the relationship. You're basically, you know, uh, 90% of the work and, and all of that, no matter whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship, it's never equitable. You're always the one doing most of everything and hoping that the other person will eventually appreciate you, will eventually realize how much you're doing and, and how much you're putting into it. And you're, you're constantly walking on eggshells and you're constantly being gaslit and, you know, passive aggressive techniques, you know, being thrown at you and, and your brain is like, you know, scrambled eggs or something. And yet then they turn around and start going to third parties and saying how awful you are and how, you know, much you've, you know, taken advantage of them. And basically all the things that they're doing to you, they go and tell everybody that uh, you're doing to them. And a lot of times, especially if they're a covert narcissist, they're really good at playing the victim and everybody thinks they're so kind and generous and nice because that's how they are to every single person in the world other than the person, the people that are closest to them. And so it's really, really um, surprising for for, for those of us who are empaths that, that this is what's going on. And you almost, you're always kind of like a step behind because you don't realize that this is going on. So what happens in a litigation setting is, you know, you empath are over here going, well, let me try to figure out a way to nicely come to a resolution of this case or, or, or of this relationship in some way. Let me figure out what we can do. And, and, this is what happens with a lot of us. I hear a lot of you saying to me, I, I just want this, or I'll just take this small amount. I don't want everything. I'm not going for this part. You know, I don't care about the money. I just want my kids, or I don't care about, um, you know, all of this other, these other, other assets. All I want is this or whatever. And, 
you know, by doing that, what you're, you're, you're just making smaller what, what it is that um, you're going to tell them that you want. And whatever that is, they're going to chip away at that, even if it's the smallest little thing, because it's not about that settlement for them. What it's about for them is making you miserable, continuing to control you, continuing to uh, manipulate you, continuing to intimidate you. All of those things give them narcissistic supply. And that's why when you're dealing with them in a negotiation setting, in a case, whether it's in a business litigation or a divorce litigation or probate litigation or whatever kind of case you're dealing with, you know, sometimes it goes, Goes on for years. You know, I have a private Facebook group. It's called Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Zung which you are very welcome to join. And we'll make sure that we drop a link to that as well. I did a survey in that group and it was overwhelming the response that, you know, I think over 86% of you responded that your cases lasted at least 18 months. Many of you, I think it was 40 something percent said that the cases lasted more than three years. And a, a huge percentage of you said that the cases were very, very expensive, you know, some, uh, many times over $100,000 in fees. So, you know, for those of you out there who are saying, all I need is a good lawyer, that is not the case. Because yes, you do need a good lawyer, but you also need to understand the mind of a narcissist. And that is that they're out to destroy you because they want to get you before you get them. They want to make sure that they're right on top of the fact that you're the one that looks bad and they're the one that looks good because they need to preserve their face. They need to preserve their, um, their standing in the community or how they look, their reputation, all of that. And so in order for them in their minds to preserve all of that, it can't be equal walking away. You can't just both look good walking away. You have to look bad. You have to look like the loser to them. That's the only way they feel that they can survive, that they can preserve that narcissistic supply that they so desperately need. And if you are so ready to be free of this crazy toxic stew that narcissists are doing to you, and especially trying to destroy you. I want to see a this ends now in the comments. Okay, and so the last reason why narcissists feel like they have to destroy you is because, again, it goes back to this narcissistic supply idea, and that is that they feel like if you're not going to be supplied to them, then they don't want you to be supplied to anyone. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's you got to go down. You've got to go down in every single way for every single reason. And so that's why when you are negotiating with a narcissist, it's really important to have incredible strategy, super strong leverage, You know, anticipate what the narcissist is going to do and focus on you and your case. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. 
Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life and I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 